This episode of Check the Locks is brought to you by our friends at Audible. Audible is your one-stop shop for audio entertainment where you can always find the best of what you love or discover something new. That's right. Audible offers an incredible selection of audiobooks across every genre, from mysteries, thrillers, biographies, and of course, true crime. And as an Audible member, you can choose one title a month from their catalog to keep forever, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. Audible members also get access to thousands of podcasts from popular favorites, exclusive new series, and this very podcast you're listening to now. Plus, the Audible app makes it easy to listen anytime, anywhere. While traveling, working out, walking the dog, doing chores, Audible makes listening anywhere easy. And best of all, Check the Locks listeners can try Audible for free for 30 days. So head over to audibletrial.com slash check the locks or click the link in the show notes to start enjoying Audible today. Warning, Check the Locks podcast is a true crime podcast and may contain graphic descriptions of violence, murder, sexual assault, and more. Check the Locks podcast is not appropriate for all listeners. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Welcome back to Check the Locks Presents True Crime for the Short on Time. As always, I'm John Connor. I'm Olivia Cornu. Saying thank you for joining us this week as we dive into yet another truly terrifying bite-sized true crime case. Before we get started, as always, Olivia, it's wonderful to see you. How are you? How has your week been? I'm good. How are you, John? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, It's been a little bit of a uh, rough night. You know, we're recording a little late, but Millie is feeling a little under the weather. I think she's like her dad where she has maybe has asthma she's got this like kind of gnarly cough that is causing her to get sick a little bit but other than that it's been good how is everything going with you same old same it is a late night and i appreciate you being here john well you know we got to get it done we got to get it out for the listeners for the locksmiths this is a short on time episode so you know this is the definition of uh, (laughs) i am short on time i know you're short on time the listeners are short on time i'm always short on time I know it just seems like there's never enough time, but super happy that we're here. We're recording. We're getting it out. And this week's episode is kind of crazy. So I do want to give a kind of a little content warning. This case that we're going to be covering, there is some disturbing audio throughout the story. So if you are someone who may have a hard time with that, again, just want to give you a heads up. Don't want it to come off as a surprise or anything like that, but you are going to hear actual audio from a true crime uh, that was captured by the killer. So just want to give you a heads up. Don't want anybody going blind or anything like that. But with that being said, I don't know if that you know makes this case sound a little more interesting to you, Olivia. But when I was researching and I found it, I was like, I think the listeners are really going to like this one. When you text and said you have audio of like the killer committing a crime, I'm like, yeah. This is what every true crime junkie wants to hear. So why don't you just get started? All right. Well, enough with the Gabby Gabby. Let's get to the stabby stabby and jump into it. This week's short on time is taking us back to Thanksgiving Day in 2012. 
Byron David Smith was a retired security officer living in Little Falls, Minnesota. In fact, before retirement, his former job involved protecting international embassies against terrorism and espionage. Now, Little Falls is a Mississippi River town of about 8,000 people and 100 miles from Minneapolis. Smith was a known loner. He never married and he didn't have any children. And by November of 2012, he was growing paranoid. He believed that his home had been broken into several times. And according to Smith, it was two local teenagers, 18-year-old Haley Kiefer and her 17-year-old cousin, Nicholas Brady. Smith claimed that the teens had stolen $4,000 in cash, his father's POW watch, coins, and a chainsaw. In fact, Smith claimed that his house had been broken into over a half a dozen times. Now, because of this and his background, he installed a surveillance system at his home. He also began carrying a loaded weapon with him at all times. Now, on November 22nd, Smith noticed Haley Kiefer's car near his home, and it was then that he decided he would set a trap. Smith moved his truck so that it would appear that he was not home. He then went back inside the house. Smith proceeded to remove light bulbs from light fixtures to keep the house dark. Then he headed to the basement. There, in a chair between two tall bookshelves, Smith lied in wait, armed with a rifle, a revolver, and an audio recorder. And as he waited, he spoke to that recorder. And eventually, Smith heard what he was waiting for. The sound of breaking glass. It was Nicholas Brady breaking into the retiree's home. Smith immediately grabbed his rifle and hid out of sight. And as the 17-year-old walked down the stairs, Smith popped out of hiding and fired his rifle. On the audio recording, the shooter could be heard saying, You're dead. Smith then proceeded to drag Brady's body into his basement workshop and placed him on a tarp. He then resumed his position and waited for Haley Kiefer. And when she hadn't heard from her cousin Nick, she proceeded to enter the home behind him. As Kiefer came down the stairs, Smith shot again. He struck the teenager, but this time the rifle jammed. On the recording, Smith can be heard saying, Oh, sorry about that. As she lay wounded and apologizing, he pulled his handgun and fired again. Smith then dragged the girl's body to the tarp and placed her next to her cousin. To ensure that she was dead, he placed the gun under her chin and fired another shot. When it was all said and done, Smith had shot the teens a total of nine times. With two bodies lying dead on his floor, Smith continued to speak to his audio recorder, and he showed absolutely no remorse. It's cute. I'm sure she thought she was a real pro. I feel a little bit safer. Not totally safe. I'm still shaking a bit, but a little bit safer. I refuse to live in fear. I am not bleeding hard, I promise. On the recording, Smith could be heard saying, I don't see them as human. I see them as vermin. I was doing my civic duty. 
is the law enforcement system that I had to do it. They weren't human. I, I don't see them as human. I see them as vermin. This bitch was going to go through her life spoiling things for other people. Now, Byron David Smith would call police to notify them of what he had done. However, he waited 24 hours to do so. His reason? Smith didn't want to bother the local authorities on Thanksgiving Day. When the police arrived, Smith claimed that he acted in self-defense, stating that his actions were justified under the Castle Doctrine. Now, this doctrine removes the duty to retreat if a person is threatened in his or her own home, meaning you can use deadly force to protect your property. But prosecutors didn't believe that this was a case of self-defense. They believed that Smith had set a trap for the teenagers and then murdered them both. You see, in Minnesota, Excessive violence, such as ensuring or planning the actual death of trespassers, is strictly against the law. In court, the prosecution argued that that is exactly what Byron David Smith did. And when the jury heard the recordings from that night, they agreed. Smith was ultimately found guilty and convicted of both first-degree premeditated murder and second-degree murder. And he would be sentenced to two life sentences. Now, Smith would file multiple appeals, including his final appeal to the Supreme Court, but all would be denied. Now, at the time, this case garnered some severe national attention, and it sparked a debate as to whether Smith was in fact in the wrong. Some believe that Byron Smith was a cold-blooded killer who murdered two teenagers, while others believe he was simply a man protecting his property. What we do know to be true is that two teenagers lost their lives that day and families were shattered. So, Olivia, that is this week's case. I don't know if you noticed, but it is November. We're keeping with the Thanksgiving theme. Had to come in, you know, strong after you had the uh, old baby back ribs case on Monday. But now that we've gone through it and especially hearing that audio, what are your thoughts? Uh, You know, what are you thinking as we went through the case? I mean, this is the first time that we've really done an episode that has like true audio capturing the actual crime, which blew my mind. Um, you know, we've had audio of other things and like 911 calls, but like when you, if you were to hear this audio out of context, I would think this man was having a psychotic break. Like it seemed like he was, he felt that something was happening, but he was actually not wrong. Like he thought these people were breaking into his house and he set it up like he was not home and they broke into his house. Do I think they deserve to die? Absolutely not. Do I think he needed to record it? Absolutely not. But this one was chilling. Yeah. And it's definitely crazy. You can find the full audio uh, on YouTube. Uh, uh, the court did release it. Uh, so it is public. The full audio was much longer because he was sitting in his basement for like, who knows how long waiting right. for them to break into his house. And I like, I agree with you. You know, it sounds like the ramblings of a crazy person, which I definitely think that he was, but somebody also broke into his house. Like the people that he thought were breaking in, Yeah. Like you can't be mad at him listening to what he has to say, thinking about them being vermin. And if you were to hear this out of context, like, 
a hundred percent. You'd be like, oh no, this, this is just like my crazy neighbor. But that was real chilling, real chilling. Yeah. And what's interesting is in the research, like these two kids had been caught before. Like they, I think when they searched the car, if I remember correctly, they had somebody else's like prescription medication. Like, you know, they were kids who were breaking into other people's houses. And I definitely think that, you know, they should have been prosecuted and, and it should have been handled lawfully. The the other thing that drives me crazy in this story that I just couldn't believe is that he killed both these, these kids and then didn't call the police until the following day because he didn't want to mess up anybody's Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Yeah. It's like, dude, no, no, there was just, there's a lot of wrong in this whole thing. Could the kids have been rehabilitated and just, if they had been punished for breaking and entering? Sure. Potentially. Should he have killed them? Absolutely not. Should he have not waited to call the police because he didn't want to ruin a Thanksgiving? Absolutely not. But this was, this was a good one. I think some of it is, you know, genuinely just stupid kid stuff. Like I had two friends, you know, when I was younger that they would do, what's called garage hopping. So if your garage door was open, they would come to your garage and they might take like golf clubs or beer out of a refrigerator or something like that. And they got caught and they had to go to a work camp for like, you know, six, like a rehabilitation camp for teenagers for like six months where you run with logs on your shoulder and stuff and they just break your spirit. You know what I mean? So, you know, something like that, I'm like, okay, you know, I could see something like that happening, but to take this into your own hands, let me ask you this, you know, because yes, he was right. The kids definitely broke in, but would you consider this like self-defense? Cause for me, I'm like, no, you were just looking for a reason to kill somebody. But there are people who believe that he was essentially protecting his home. You know, he knew what was going to happen and that he was in the right for doing this. So I didn't know, you know, as as we were going through it, how you feel one way or the other. This was 100 percent premeditated. He was waiting for them to break in. He set up his house to be as if he wasn't home for them to potentially break in. He was waiting for them to break in. Yeah, for sure. I'm definitely there with you. It's like. You know, as soon as you saw her car, you could have called the cops or, you know, he had a surveillance system. Like you, he could see them, you know, around the home on his surveillance system before they broke in. So as you could have called the cops and stopped all this before, you know, it ever got to the point where it did. I think he was just angry about people breaking into his house and he was going to make somebody pay. So I don't know. It's a, it's a crazy story, uh, especially that it happened on Thanksgiving. I thought it was great for our November theme and you know hopefully the listeners enjoyed it but I got to ask you when we're talking about the deadbolt test where does this case fall for you I think I'm gonna rate this one high because the audio is what's really chilling to me I mean I'm obviously not breaking into somebody's house and nobody's waiting for me but just hearing what this person is saying and what's going through someone who's actually committing a murder like what their thoughts are and what they're feeling about these people I'm giving it an eight what about you? Yeah, I'm there with you. Like at first when I went through it, I was like, you know, I, I, it's really sad and it's crazy, but I don't think it's that scary or, you know, anything where I might want to like double check my locks. But then I started thinking like, what if there was somebody in my neighborhood or your neighborhood or a listener's neighborhood, right? Who is just like itching to do something like this. You know what I mean? Cause like, this is the kind of thing where you know, let's do a 62. Like he, he was very much so it feels like looking for the opportunity to punish someone. And so in this case, yes, it was a home invasion, but what if it was something else? 
You know what I mean? What if it was, you know, your dog's barking or, you know, I mean, I don't she's know. barking right now. Right. You know what I mean? We have, we have two dogs in our neighborhood that bark outside nonstop. So, you know, who knows? There's just some dude sitting in his house being like, those dogs are vermin and I'm going to teach that family a lot. You know what I mean? You just don't know. So the fact that there is people out there that like could be thinking like that for me, I, I'm, I'm going to put it in an eight. I'll put it in an eight with you, but yeah, it was just really, really intense. And, and I definitely think the audio made it a little bit more interesting to dive into. Yeah. The audio was definitely what did it for me. Just hearing what, just hearing the thoughts, but it was definitely a good one. I feel like I'm gonna have to bring another Thanksgiving case for next week. But this one was a good one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think we've subconsciously started a theme. So we're going to have to close it out strong. Uh, I may have a list of cases already that I'm planning on diving into. So should be good. But as always, you know, that's where we fall in the dead bull test. Olivia and I are both putting this at an eight, but we got to throw it out to the locksmiths. Where does the murder of Haley Kiefer and Nicholas Brady fall on your dead bull test? You can let us know. Reach out to us on Instagram at Check the Locks Pod. Find us on Twitter at Check the Locks. And if you're not in our Facebook group, come hang out with us. We would love to spend some time, get to know you, get to hang out with you. And as always, if you are interested in financially supporting Check the Locks, you can do so by becoming a patron. Head over to patreon.com forward slash Check the Locks. Get signed up today. We got a lot of great tiers, a lot of exclusive benefits, stickers, coffee mugs, T-shirts, all stuff that you can only get for being a patron. Plus you get the episodes ad free and early. So if you love check the locks, but you hate commercials, Patreon is the way to go. So if you like what we do, you want to help us keep the lights on, throw us a couple bones. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash check the locks and get signed up today. And if you cannot financially support the show, we definitely understand just listening and hanging out with us every week means just as much, if not more. So if that is you, you're listening, you're sharing our little show with your friends and family, the people who matter most to you. Just know that we appreciate that more than we could ever tell you. That word of mouth, that grassroots movement is how we are really going to get in front of more listeners. It's going to help us to grow our community uh, and, you know, again, just bring more people into our family. So if that is you, you're sharing the show, just know we appreciate you more than we could ever tell you. That is all that we have for this week's case, but please make sure that you're subscribed to Check the Locks in your favorite podcast app so that you never miss an episode. We will see you again next week with a brand new, truly terrifying, bite-sized true crime case, but until then, don't forget to Check the Locks. See you next week. Adios. Adios.